You're listening to the Auxiliary Gate Podcast, Kentucky's weekly horse racing discussion. And now, here are your hosts, Alan Schneider, Brandon Jaggers, and me, C.C. Broadus. Hello, everybody. It is now time for episode 66 of the Auxiliary Gate Podcast. I'm C.C. Broadus, reporting to you almost live from my palatious home in beautiful Bloomfield, Kentucky. Joined, as always, by my counterpart, number one, Alan Schneider. How are you, sir? I'm fine. I just learned a new word, palatious. I thought it was palatial, but uh, you're the one living in the palace. You said palatious. That's okay. You're the one living in the palace, you know. That dude played uh, for Louisville basketball back in the 2000s. Juan Palacios. That's right. Juan Palacios, yeah. Yeah, maybe that's where I got that from. Also joining us, back from hiatus, beautiful Brandon Jaggers. I kind of want to be number one again. I'm going to try to get back there and uh, just want to let all our fans know we got some new gear and some logos coming out. We sold out last year. Supply chain issues, you know, hurt us uh, with COVID, but we're going to have some new gear for some of our special guests and some of our big sponsors. So stay tuned. What about our hosts? Do the hosts get any gear? Well, you got to give out winners first. Oh, uh, damn. I haven't done that in about 12 months. So, <laughs> so uh, let's talk about the previous weekend. Uh, my A burning question for me is, uh, why didn't we do a podcast last week? I don't know. I, I think it just slipped everyone's mind or whatever. You know, we get tied up with our own personal lives and, st- and such, but... Uh, I don't remember. Does anybody, do you guys remember? I mean, we put a lot of them out. Sometimes, you know, sometimes Yesterday, it just slips your mind. Last week would have been a, a perfect time for a podcast. We could have previewed a, a, a big weekend of Ellis Park Stakes. As Brandon's first trip to Ellis Park. We could have got a before and after. And instead, we're just going to get the after. <laughs> yeah. uh, that I, I can report to you that I was there beside him when he arrived. And he the bitching never stopped. It, it was just one thing after another. Where's the Wi-Fi? How come I can't get a spiced latte? Yeah, right. What are those I things like, in the infield? I, I did like the cold draft. It was probably the coldest draft beer I've had anywhere for $2. I think it was far and bet the superior. I mean, you had Miller Lite, Bud Light, Budweiser, and the Mick Ultra for those folks out there that drink the, the no-calorie stuff. But uh, – I thought that was great. The peanuts were good. The no Wi-Fi hurt. The bathrooms were terrible. And oh, the yeah. outcome was even worse. <laughs> Let's talk about that. I mean, I think the morning uh, exercise rider took them out that day. I don't know. It kind of <laughs> seemed like a blur to me and, and almost a nightmare all at the same time. So I made it back to Louisville, though, in record time. I think I got back in an hour and 40 minutes. So I was hauling. And that's all I you must say about that. Yeah, for those who don't know, Brandon's uh, Brandon's horse, uh, Dream Will Dream, you went off the nine to five favorite in the in Ellis's signature race, the uh, what are the, the groupie doll, formerly the Gardenia, and broke from the rail at, at the uh, wonky one turn, one point five turn mile ahead, and did not get a good trip or real. And let's be fair, a good ride. The horse uh, broke it, broke out, and there's a shoot right there at the. Uh, at the one turn mile and the horse almost gouged himself on the rail 
Uh, it got over in time, but by the time he got over, it, it caused a, a bit of a chain reaction. It kind of eliminated Dream Little Dream of You. So it was a bad trip, to say the least. I'm sure Brandon agrees. Yes, wholeheartedly. But, but the horse came out okay, right? Did it come out of the race okay? Oh, yeah. Just don't know what we're going to do next. But, yeah, she was fine. It was really kind of a – I went this uh, nice, you know, five, six furlong exercise. Just yeah. watching her work as she finished 11th out of 12. I believe the other Brad Cox horse in the race did win the race from the far outside, correct, Mataro? I'll be damned. I'll be damned. Isn't that funny? I'll be <laughs> damned. So the double entry of, of Cox, we basically run 1 and 11th, but the big favorite falls the 11th. Whatever reason, Florent Drew stayed on a horse that on paper looked inferior but was on a two-win win streak came out of indiana uh ricky our good friend ricky um shivani did a great job at getting her ready and she came in and walloped him i couldn't tell you in the paddock she looked the best i really thought uh uh was it lady kate i thought yeah. she looked the best in the paddock i mean she looked like a star stutter i mean unbelievable but you know uh she ran big pretty- she ran in cold second Oh man, she I thought I thought she really deserved the win based on her look and everything else. She carried the race and speed and just kind of faded the end. So but that's all I really saw. I never even saw us cross the finish line. I just took off. <laughs> Brandon, I'm sorry you, you didn't get to meet Bull Butter. Uh, he he actually rode down with us on uh Saturday morning, but it was just too much for him. Uh, his girlfriend came down and picked him up and took him home the next day. So, uh, you know, some some people just can't handle Ellis Park. It's that Ellis nightlife, man. It, it can it gets the best of you. It's uh, it's, it's something else. Yeah, up there but, in Henderson. You know what they say about Henderson, Kentucky? It has no memory. It has no memory. <laughs> yeah, good, I like it. All right. Better days. Better days ahead. Action pack podcasts. We've got a, a trainer as a special guest this evening. And then after that, we're going to uh, pick apart the late pick five at Saratoga. Excited about that. Big weekend, Pacific Classic. Of course, Ellis Park has eight races on Saturday. Saratoga has the Alabama Stakes. And it's uh, it's going to be a fun weekend leading up to next weekend. And, of course, it's highlighted by the Travers. Looking forward to that. The return of essential quality. Keep me in mind and several others but without further ado let's get right to our next guest on the auxiliary gate podcast so our guest this evening is an up-and-comer in the sport of racing in the spring of 2018 she launched a public stable after working for two of the sharpest conditioners around chad brown and chuck simon her family as most of the guests on our program do has roots in horse racing her father was a trainer of standard breads and her uncle was a driver of the same breed. Since going out on her own, our guest has experienced success immediately. She's developed a number of nice runners, including Byroness, our Super Freak, and Reagan's Edge. In June, she won her first greatest stakes with Gam's Mission, who won the, excuse me, who won the Regret Stakes at Churchill Downs under the famous colors of Lazy F Ranch. And recently, she unveiled a very nice two-year-old named Tarabi, a son of First Samurai, who was very impressive, winning his debut at Ellis Park, knocking me out of a pick four in the process. <laughs> but I'm not bitter because we have her with us right now. It's Cherie DeVoe. Cherie, how are you doing this evening? 
I'm doing well, thank you. So first of all, Cherie, congratulations on your success early on as a trainer. Has it been uh, everything you've imagined so far, the training life? Well, you know, it's funny um, to hear it said like that because for me, it seems like it's been a long time. Um, we're going into our fourth year and we've started at zero in 2018. So in April of 2018, we had no horses. No, you know, I left Chad and I fulfilled my duties working for him up until the day that I left. And once I closed that chapter and opened my own, that's when I started, you know, really to focus on my own business. So you know, you come from a barn that has a lot of action, a lot of success, and it, it took me nearly a year to win my first race. And a lot of that was just getting the stable set up, getting the business set up, networking for, you know, creating my own brand, um, reaching out and getting, you know, clients. Because um, like I said, I, I went out and I didn't have any clients. So, you know, the, it, it it's been a steady rise for me um and i'm just really grateful at how it's worked out uh so far so sheree where are you based right now i'm based in kentucky um right now we have uh 20 horses 20 stalls in lexington at keeneland um and we have um 22 stalls over at the training center, the Churchill Downs Training Center. Okay, and then uh, you said you, uh, do you have any in New York right now? Yeah, we have a handful. There's 10 up there right now. 10 up there. Is that, uh, is, does that move, move rather fluidly uh, with you not being around? Is that, that's, uh, that's probably part of the course for you. You probably got, you know, good, good assistance and whatnot. Well, part of, Growing is growing your team. Um, I could not do anything without them supporting me and being on top of things. I divide my time pretty equally amongst the three uh, divisions. Ideally, I like to just be in two places um, that are both in Kentucky. But, you know, they've each uh, division does a great job um, when I'm not there and um when i am there they're you know right on top of everything so it's gone pretty smoothly um and you know like i said in the initial stages of my business each year we picked up one uh one new management person and it's been uh great and it's been really satisfying especially this year it seems like a culmination of all the hard work is starting to come together so it's been a lot of fun um, building my team, building the stable, and having them be part of it. So you work for Chad Brown, and of course we all know who Chad Brown is. He's one of the uh, well, on, on his way to being becoming a, a legend of the sport. Uh, give me one thing that that you learned working for Chad Brown. Well, you know, um, it's not really what I learned per se. It's the amount that I was exposed to gave me a huge bank of knowledge. Um, as anyone who works in this business, a gambler, an assistant, an exercise rider, it doesn't matter at what part or what um, at what level it is, 
really it's how much experience and how much exposure you have that helps you to move forward. So, you know, I was fortunate. Some people, you know, I had a lot of horses, which comes with a lot of different experiences, good and bad, um, anywhere from lamenesses to training, you know, getting to see different horses develop. Um, that is my what I most my biggest takeaway is that I I know that I'm fortunate to have been exposed to that. So you work closely with one of my favorite fillies, Lady Eli, uh, one of the most outstanding turf fillies that we've seen in the last 20, 25 years. Uh, any specific memories of working with her? Well, there's a lot of memories that work with her, um, working with her. You know, mostly my biggest respect came from being seeing her at her absolute lowest point and then seeing her come back to be um at the top of her game and not just being as good as she was before having a life emergency um into being you know back into grade one status and just seeing her out on track I remember how much how emotional I was about that because we had been through a lot (laughs) over the that year she she had laminitis right Correct. Yeah. So I grew up in the, you know, no one's secretariat in the 80s. That's that's the disease that brought him down. Yeah. And it used to be a death sentence on horses. If they had laminitis, they, they just weren't going to they just weren't going to make it. So uh, what what type of patient was she during? I, I'm sure she was a, a as good a patient as she was a, a, a race filly. I mean, she I assume she was really, uh, really calm and, and, and took treatment well. Um, no, no, quite the contrary. Um, she's actually known for being really difficult um, and temperamental. And um, so early on, in her case, the the early onset and the acute care was most important. And um, credit to Chad, who didn't want to send her to the clinic. We kept her in the barn and her own surroundings with the people that knew her. And that made all the difference is her being around in a, an environment that was comfortable to her with her groom, with me, um, didn't, it didn't stress her out. Um, you know, there was, she is, a you couldn't make her do anything. She was very difficult. She could be dangerous at times. She's been a couple people. She would come after you. So just trying to get along with her in those acute stages. And then after that, she was just a really tenacious and strong-willed filly. So once uh, once we got through that acute care and, you know, to where she was out of the critical phase of her recovery, she really did take it all from there. But in those first couple of weeks, it was touch and go for a while. And we were, were having to manage around her and her um, personality. And she's doing well right now. I think she's uh, she's a broodmare somewhere. I forgot who purchased her, but where, where did she wind up eventually? She's at Hillendale. Hillendale. Okay. Good deal. All right. So, Sheree, uh, you're married to David and Gordo, and, and what is he most known for? Um, I have to say by where I'm sitting right now and looking at her bridle would be purchasing Zenyatta. There you go. So, uh, does it get old knowing that, you know, he's the guy – that picked out Zenyatta like uh, you know one of the all-time great horses like you know when it when it's his turn to take out the garbage 
and he's kind of giving you some attitude and he, he's like i don't have to take out the garbage i picked zenyatta is that is that ever uh is, is that an issue no actually we have a um it again trial and error over the first couple of years i started my business uh, I left working for Chad on a Sunday. We got married on a Friday, you know, so it's one of those things where my life did a whole 180. Um, but we try to balance our personal and professional life um, so that it it does, neither one creeps into the other. It's a challenge. Um, you know, I have great respect for what it, David does in his business. It's not that he just purchased Zenyatta. He's purchased every year. He comes with a grade one horse um accelerate he had honor ap he's catalina cruiser you know the list goes on and on and on and you know it's amazing to be able to work with him um and he's really helped me uh start my business and supporting me in my business but when it comes time to being home it's it's a 50 50 and we both try to tread lightly when one of us is having a bad day or we're overwhelmed like during sales season, I know that that's hard on him. So I try to make it easy. Um, if we're running a lot, he'll do the driving. If we're having to do a lot of driving. So we really try to balance it out so that it's easiest on um, on both of us. So let's talk a couple of horses on your stable. Uh, Tarabi, as I alluded to earlier, was very impressive on debut at Ellis Park. Uh, what is this horse capable of and where where might we see him next? Well, uh, she's a filly. Um, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. It happens. Um, well, for her, really have always held her in high regard for the talent she was showing in the morning. And uh, you would be tempted, especially with the stable in New York, to send her up to Saratoga. But in the developing of her as an individual horse, um the spinaway is definitely first thought for what she could be capable of doing early on in her career. So um, David and I actually own a, a part of her and um, Mr. Maganero and um, Mr. Paul and Andy, um, you know, we talked about it and decided and came to the, the thought of, um, you know, we really want to have a race we can build off of. So sending her to Ellis and giving her um, a race that would be easier on her and then be able to move forward into the grade one, into a spinaway, instead of running her at Saratoga and it being a hard race and then going into a hard race um, and having two hard races early on in her career, she got the experience um, and ran a, an impressive race, both visually the numbers came back fast. The time of the race was fast, which is all, you know, a horse coming by six lengths, but it's about how they do it. Um, and she ran, you know, right at our expectations where we thought, you know, we were very confident that she's going to go over there and have a good showing of herself that we could parlay into a race at Saratoga. And then let's talk about... Uh... Gam's mission. She recently won the regret stakes at Churchill. Like I said, in the colors of Lazy F Ranch, they campaigned Forgo a long time ago. Can you tell us anything about those connections and, and how you came to, to train for that outfit? Well, um, so David does work for Lane's End and Mr. Farish um, 
he it they are cousins of of the family and really um mrs um corbett cornelia corbett she is um martha geary's daughter and when um, mrs geary passed away she um continued on with the stable and you know had some success but really just started to wind down what she was doing with the racehorses more she had some still had some she was breeding and uh selling um and her son um rick he showed interest in it and they had this one filly that um gam and they uh rick cornelia and rick decided that this would be a good opportunity for rick to dip his toes into the water and um when they spoke with Mr. Farish, Bill Farish about it, he recommended me because um, Rick Cornelia is a wealth of knowledge and has done this all her life, but uh, Rick is relatively new. So it's been fun to take him along, um, you know, and it's been really exciting for both of them. And where might we see Gam's mission next? We're going to give her a little freshening so, and then point her... Um, towards either uh the queen elizabeth or the valley view at keeneland i was hoping you'd say that <laughs> good deal okay uh yeah she's uh last seen in the uh, saratoga oaks ran fifth uh it was a very tough race so yeah can't wait to see her uh, at keeneland for sure i'm gonna turn the floor over to to alan or brandon uh, guys uh whoever wants to go first uh, any questions for sheree i'll go um uh... Something I wanted to touch on real quick. Number one, you were just talking about Tarabi at Ellis. It sounded like you were pretty confident uh, she was going to win that day. Is that what you're – is that what you're you, – you guys really trusted her abilities, correct? Correct. So um, we'll have a opposite ends of the spectrum with two fillies at one first time out. So we had Blissful win on Sunday the same week prior. And that filly acted – she acted like she has a lot of talent, but she act, seemed like she was going to need the experience and the racing. Um, she's done a couple things in the morning that have shown that she lacked the maturity um, that you think one would need to like really show strong first time out. Um, now, Tarabi would be the exact opposite. She's never had a bad day of training. Um, she looks awesome. She's really mature in her mind and physically mature. So, you know, you go out there and my style of training we're not asking them for all that they have in the morning we're developing them and hoping that they show their best when they're out on the track um you know with her she's like i said she's never had a bad day she's never had a bad breeze she's never done anything wrong um so you know it was pretty she had all the signs to have a performance that she had yeah, well, I just now regret we didn't have you on a couple of weeks ago because I, I don't like to have known that about Taravi. I, was, I thought that was a good field she beat at Ellis that day. I know it's Ellis Park, but I, I was duly impressed with that race. But it actually goes to a, a bigger point. Uh, all the success that you've had, cause it seems like you're, it, you've just exploded on the scene the last few years. But it was you mentioned Blissful a moment ago. That started a, a heck of a week for you, did it not? You, yeah. Uh, there was, that was one hell of a week you had. If you want to talk to people about that. Yeah, so um, we got, starting with Blissful, we got her out of the two-year-old in training sale. And a horse like her, it 
it wasn't good for her mentally. So I shipped her to Saratoga because she is busy in the stall. If she doesn't, when we first got her, she would run around the stall and get herself worked up and she'd be in a full sweat at 530 in the morning. So it was important to have her running out of her own stall like Saratoga. Um, And, you know, we didn't have her cranked up all the way. It goes to another point. We really wanted her to get a race, to get the experience, but a filly that has a tendency to be high strung, if you really turn the screws on them, you're pushing it. You can push the boundary of how they'll react. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, her winning, it wasn't, you can watch the race and see she ran really greenly and that wasn't a surprise to me. Um, she, again, it when she breathed, she was pretty impressive but we knew where we kind of knew exactly where we were at with her um knowing you know she won and that was awesome and we we're very excited about it but she was definitely green and needed the experience and then we came back with Bayerness, and you know again we've had high hopes for her she was another one um held in high regard as a two-year-old she runs and trains like she wants to go a route of ground but um, you know, after trying to force the issue last year and running her in the Oaks was not her thing. Um, seven furlong horse, right? Yeah, six. She's one at six, six, seven. She beat so a skydiver at a mile, but yes. you know, that was really early on in her career. Um, so, you know, you go in there. I on paper, Bill's Philly, uh, Bill Mott's Philly looked like it was definitely the one to beat, um, but she had been. Bayerness had been firing every time since she's come off her layoff um, that we gave her in uh, end of September. Um, And I was fairly confident she would run a really good race. And, you know, I was disappointed a bit at Monmouth because she was definitely a beaten favorite. Um, I don't know where people stand on the whip rules. I'm impartial, but I think that had something to do with it because she waited on her cue to go. Right. She like the whip, but she needs it as a cue. And um, she sputtered a little bit in the stretch and, you know, just got just missed, you know, by half a length. So, you know, ha- I was excited that she won. And then you go in and I actually flew in Friday morning and you've won two races in a row at Saratoga and you have to be realistic about your expectations. And um, then and then. And- and Costana is the one that I liked the most all week up to that point. And, I, and she won, and that was awesome. And then um, Tarabi the next day. So, really, I, it was a, an awesome week. It's, uh, you know, I don't know how most people do it, but it. I try really hard. I manage my own expectations, but when I, when we send a horse out to run, really expect hope that they're running a really good race. Or, you know, like a blissful where we're hope we have our goals in mind. But um it it was really awesome and it's a great time to do it. It was right before the sales and people yes. take and you know, we it's hard because I don't have a lot of claiming horses in, in the barn. So you're running and you're running in maiden races, allowance races, stakes races. And it's not like I'm at a small track on like a B or C circuit. These are exactly you know, this is an a circuit um so you know when it all works out it's just it's it's awesome and it's really 
it's a lot of luck. It's a lot of hard work and it's a lot of planning that comes together. Well, possibly. I don't know if there's a lot of luck involved in that week because Costana was, for people that don't know, it's a mile and three eighths, I want to say, on the lawn. It's an allowance race and she blew him off the track. Uh, she did. I mean, at the top of the stretch, the race was over. And then you, Bayonets, uh, beat a really nice field. And then, of course, you, we mentioned Tarabi. They all won pretty impressively. And getting back to Bayonets a little bit, if I'm not, aren't you from Saratoga? Are you, aren't you from that area? Is that what you were born? Well, I was born in Saratoga, um, and I'll just correct. So my father was a trainer, and it's my brother who's a driver. He's he's my half-brother, and he's a lot older than me. So he could <laughs> be my uncle. Um, but I, my parents took a sabbatical um, from New York and from the harness uh, racing when I was about 10 years old. So I like to tell people that my formidable years were in Florida on a beach and not shoveling snow. Because <laughs> I hate being cold. And the first right on. From New York, and I'm like, no, no, <laughs> I begrudgingly moved here when I had to when I was in school. Uh, I went to college two years in Florida and two years in Albany, and um, so yeah, my family is is in the area, but I um, I didn't really grow up in the area. I was just wondering because I was assuming it was cool winning a stakes race at Saratoga with Bareness, being that you're from there, but I guess you only kind of semi call that uh, your homestead. Well, I, I was actually not in town. It was on a Wednesday, so I'm home, I'm home in Lexington. Gotcha. Um, now, my younger sister, who's 23 years old and um, really just kind of finding her way, she's my assistant up there, and she was on hand. So, you know, it's great to win a race. It's great to win a stake. It's fun to watch her because her friends are there, and she did grow up in the area. So it was a lot of fun watching her get to enjoy the moment. Um, especially I, I had to watch it from TV, so I got to watch everybody enjoy the moment. It's awesome. It's also fascinating. You, if CC touched on, you just touched on it yourself about, uh, your uncle. And I read this and I didn't, I was unaware of this. You talk about your, your, your half brother who could be, you don't have to be your uncle. He's not just a driver. He's a very successful driver. I, I read he won over 5,000 races. Is that correct? Correct. Yeah. Well, um, wow. He's, and did you ever did did you ever get in the bike? Did you ever get in the sulky? Uh, no. Um, oh, okay. Not. Uh, I have another brother who used to. Um, he used to drive. Um, and now his wife trains, and he they're older uh, as well. And um, I think my father told me to jog a horse, and I put a saddle on the horse and jogged it around the half mile track like eight times. <laughs> And I gotcha. don't recommend that because it's really not very comfortable. <laughs> I can imagine. I can imagine. We uh, we had a harness track here in Louisville for years and years and years. So I know a little bit of the game, not as much as I used to. So I found that fascinating. Um, but if it's Saratoga Harness, is, is that right? Would that, is that what would be up there? Is there a harness track in Saratoga? Yeah, they, they're at Saratoga Harness and um, Monticello Raceway. So when I was born, we were in Saratoga, and then we lived for a couple of years up in Monticello uh, in the Catskills. Oh, man, that's, that's not bad, I'll be honest with you. Brandon, you got anything for Cherie? Yeah, Cherie, I, I see that you've got a nice horse maybe named after you that's uh, shipped out of Keeneland's up in Saratoga for the last maybe two weeks. And What do you like about this horse? And give us a little background on her. 
So, um, I'll, I'll I'm not vain. Up. I did not name the horse. Um, <laughs> of There's a Chance Stable named her. Uh, she is a really, really big, pretty, strong filly. And, um, you know, I read the comments where it, they think I should be sprinting her, but she's nearly 16 to 16. She's a big filly. Um, that, you know, she's only two. She's going to take some time to grow into that big frame of hers. Um, but she's she's training really impressively. Um, nothing for her to breeze in 48 and just waiting on her company. Um, but... Again, she's going to go up on the 16th on the turf. It's She's by Miz and Mast, which can be dirt or turf. Unified yeah. is by Candy Ride, which is the same. Uh, she's got the physical of a turf horse. Um, but I, I think she would get lost if you would try to run her six furlongs on the dirt or five and a half on the turf. She's just too big. Um, and she's fast, but she doesn't have that speed out of the gate that she needs to be able to be effective in those races. So, um, you know, she's got plenty of foundation. She's another one. She's, as far as training goes, she's really not had a bad day. Uh, just with her, she's she's quite big. And like I said, she's just going to need some time to mature and fill into her body. So if she... I wouldn't be surprised if she won, you know, but I also wouldn't be surprised if she showed that she just needs to get better with some racing. Yeah, and that's a first cup sire unified. So, I mean, I think unified's already hit the board with a couple good winners and, and some of the next generation have already been selling at a nice, nice number, it looks like. So, and that, that race, everybody, is on Sunday, not Saturday at Saratoga, but uh, I have not even handicapped it or looked at it, but uh, I just kind of noticed that. And I thought well, I'd the race to... the race was supposed to be on yesterday, but it rained off. Uh, only three made it in, and I got the entry. I we are entered. I just haven't. I'm sure a lot of the same horses are in the race that uh, that came back from the race that was on Wednesday. Okay, good. Uh, yeah, in terms of other than that, I mean, I think the guys really covered a lot of great questions, and I'll be up in Saratoga for Travers. Uh, just they're watching horses. We don't have anything running, so uh, I'll be looking for you and see who's around. I usually jog in the mornings around the tracks. Uh, I'm going to do that this year, and then and then get ready for Friday and Saturday. It'll really, be Saturday. Travers days when I'm when I'll be staying overnight. So uh, I hope to see you around. I. We'll hopefully be there. I don't see any reason why I wouldn't be there, but I always something, you know, like I said, I'm based in Kentucky and the majority of our horses that are in development are here. So it's as long as everything here is going well, I can go up there for the weekend. Hey, Cherie. Hey, Cherie, what's your favorite track to run at? You've run it, you know, all, everything now. Uh, what do you like the best? You don't want to make anybody mad, but uh, uh, what's your favorite? You know, um, I really enjoyed Churchill Downs. It's I, it's where I started, really, um, working for Chuck Simon. I was there for six years, and it's fun because, well, I don't know how much fun it is for everybody else, but I know them since I was a, feel like I was a baby. I was 22 years old. And um, so it's fun to see people that I've had a relationship with for so long. Um but, you know, I, I enjoy Keeneland. It's right in our backyard. Um, I live in downtown Lexington. So 
you know, Keeneland is ultra competitive, but when you want to race there, it's so much fun because the fans are so into it. Um, you know, they're make a big deal when the horse comes back from winning and they're cheering. It doesn't matter if it's $5,000 or if it's a grade one. So it's always mm-hmm. feels extra special to win here at Keeneland. I couldn't agree more. CC. Hey, Cherie, I've got just uh, one more question for you. I, I fell in love with one of your uh, fillies. Uh, back at the beginning of uh, the Ellis meet, prominently, <laughs> two, two starts back, she uh, she dropped back to last on a on a course that favored speed, kind of unleashed her run at the top of the stretch, and really just galloped strong to finish fourth. I think she was fourth that day. Galloped out ahead of the rest of the field, just looked like a freight train. Came back to run on August seventh. Went off at seven to five, and she was kind of flat. Uh, Anything happened in, in that in that spot? Uh, I mean, I, I thought she was ready to, to really uh, be, uh, move forward. But, uh, well, she, she's she been a bit of um, a, I don't want to say disappointment. It's the wrong word. She really just didn't develop the way um, her price tag suggested, which I think she was 400, either 420 or like 425. She was an expensive filly as a yearling um so the owner felt it was in her best interest and you know his um as his business that we just we just retired her um you know he's not really a claiming guy and she has some value as a broodmare so you know we'll have to look and hopefully she is a producer my parents said the same thing about me (laughs) (laughs) nice all right all right, Cherie. Well, this has been a pleasure. Uh, glad to finally meet you. And we, we've we been watching you for, for ever since you opened your stable and, and very impressed with your success. Uh, and we wish you uh, further success. And hopefully uh, at some point we'll come up and, uh, and shake your hand and, uh, and, and just uh, maybe get to know you a little bit better. Now, Brandon, Brandon's got a uh, EPO out against him. <laughs> yeah, I'm just glad you didn't see me at Ellis last last Saturday. Uh, I, I was one guy early, and then after the race, I was I was heading home really fast, pretty upset. Well, I you you may want to have like sent me a message because I would have told you that not betting that Philly was a bad idea. Oh, now you tell me. Oh, Matera? Is that what you're talking about? We're talking about prominently, right? Oh, oh prominently. prominently. I thought you were talking about Tarabi. Oh, Tarabi. I got you. I wish Somebody I wish I'd known about Tarabi. I out of the pick five with Tarabi. I would I would have had to tell you that was a bad idea not to bet that Philly. Don't. Don't. We'll get you next time. <laughs> I, I, I forgive you. <laughs> this time. This time. We'll be rooting for you Sunday. I, I, I like what we've, what we've heard. And, you know, I always blame a trainer when I don't win. So that's just how it'll be. So no big deal. That's all right. I'm pretty thick skin and I'm pretty oblivious. People can talk to me and I just keep walking. So say whatever you want. Just don't throw any tomatoes at me. Nice. Sounds good. All right. Well, thank you, Cherie. And like I said, we'll see you soon. All right. Thanks for the support. That was Cherie DeVoe. Watch for a fast horse near you as uh, Cherie DeVoe makes her way up the training ladder and Probably a lot of stakes races in her future, I would imagine. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's just, she hasn't been at this very long, but it, 
Uh, she has taken off. That's to say, all her horses run. All her horses run well, and uh, like she said, um, she runs in top level competition. Honestly, at the top level circuits, and she does well. That's that's really impressive. It, it does not go unnoticed. Yeah, guys, I bought on Sunday. She's got a yeah. good one, a live one at Saratoga on Sunday. Be watching out. Guys, I bought a bag of Chester's fries, flaming hot version. I'm in heaven. This is going to be yeah. a, my mouth is on fire. So I'm going to talk to her fast. My daughter up. loves those. Oh my gosh. She mix them with uh, French onion dip. I'm okay. in heaven. Anyway, let's get down to business here. Saratoga's got a big card on Saturday featuring the Alabama Stakes. Delmar has the Pacific Classic and a bunch of stakes races. And we're going to go over the late pick five at Saratoga. Very interesting card. I don't know if I'd call it challenging, but uh, it's very interesting, to say the least. Uh, guys, are we, are we ready to go here? Oh, sure. I've had a fun Saratoga meet. It's been a fun Saratoga meet to me. Uh, you know, in the days when, they, when they're not rained off, I, I think it's been very a lot of fun, the kind of cards I like. Uh, not sure if how well I'll do with this one, but I will take a look at this. And uh, I think it's, I think it's a little tough sequence. And, and I right, will tell our listeners that out of the pick five, I've played at Saratoga, which was nine. I've hit three. Have you really? That's, that's a nice Not little bad. percentage. Well, that's like 87%. I think every one of them that was early pick five. So I hope to crack this late pick five. And I don't know if we'd had a podcast, but I was so high on Lexingtonian. I had such a great time when that horse ran and won. And then I couldn't complete the pick five there because I left the dropper out of class. So they were dropping into the tag rain, and I just never could complete it that day. So anyway, I hope to do it on this coming Saturday. Thank you. All right. Good luck. On that note, let's kick it off. Race seven. Six and a half furlongs, maiden special weight. This is for two-year-olds. Number two, my prankster, morning line, five to two for Todd Fletcher, son of Into Mischief. $600,000 purchase at the Phasic Tipton Select Sale last summer. Uh, Alan, we'll go to you first. What should we know about race seven? Well, number one, that it's very difficult. Uh, you know, it's your typical Saratoga maiden two-year-old race uh, this one is six and a half furlong so they, they've waited a bit on these so but you've got your usual suspects there Pletcher, brown uh ass muscle just maker who can run uh, my eye is drawn to in a wide open race where i don't have a strong opinion i like seal beach with mike maker uh got a couple reservations about the horse i like the way he closes his first starts against a hot horse by todd pletcher that day carpe all day I like the way the if you look I'm, I'm a, I've talked about it before and a lot of people like the sheets and other things I do like the brisnet pace figs I think they tell me a lot I think in this race what it tells me I see the horse got marginally quicker at each call uh, for a, a solid number in his debut came from off the pace going five and a half looks like the horse might do well at six and a half gets blinkers there's one drawback to the horse I saw that I thought there was a one little gap in the works. Uh, a little gap between the last two works, but I'm leaning to Seal Beach in here. Mike has been just hot as hell all meet, 
And uh, the other horse that actually catch my eyes, Bellinger. It's the other Todd Pletcher from the one you mentioned a moment ago, mainly because my wife's name is Nicole and the dam is Nicole's dream. But in addition to that, I like the work tab. And uh, that, those would be the two I would use. I would lean in here, Seal Beach and Bellinger. You know, I, I don't have a strong opinion. I'm not going to pretend I do. Uh, I love the name of the seven from another mother. I love that. But uh, the two I like are the most are Seal Beach and Bellinger. Wait, number five, Nicole, the, the mother's Nicole's dream. Wasn't that Philly a sprinter? Yeah, there was a, I was, th- I think that's, the, there's a turf sprinter, a really, really good turf poly sprinter. And it was Nicole something, because again, that's my wife's name. But I, I think based it was Nicole's Chicago. dream. Yeah, uh, based in Chicago. D. Paulus. Yeah, but the, at the same time, this horse is, this dam has been throwing horses uh, since like 2009, if I looked it up. Yeah. So but again, that could be a just sign that I'm getting older. It doesn't seem like Nicole's dreams ran that long ago, but she may have. Uh, again, I, yeah, the years get away when you get to this age. So I believe you're right, though. All right, but Brad. I do like that horse a little bit. I think I think it's a good price on horse from Bellinger. Oh, yeah, you could get a, you could a little you can get a little chaos in this race, and when you look at some of these purchases and the prices, I mean, you've got over two million dollars of what I would call at the time market uh, priced horses. Uh, I mean, that's this you get this is the cream of the crop of two year olds, if you ask me. But I kind of always want to go back on a couple things that. When I bet these races, and if they're not on turf, right? Yeah, not on turf. Then I would like to play a second-time starter that showed uh, some closing ability or some some form. Uh, that's why I think Steel Beach has got a real big shot for Mike Maker. Maker's been on fire at Saratoga. It's undeniable. He's hitting. I mean, I think his percentage is really darn high on his total runners there, and he's and he's getting Tyler to take them out, switching from Javier. So I think there's a lot of upside to Seal Beach here. It's kind of my top selection. Uh, i tell you, the outside horses don't fare well usually in these types of starts. I don't know who's Ricardo got in reserve currency and Cogburn. I don't know those two at all. Uh, you know, I think they probably need a start, but obviously very impressive. Uh, and then I, I definitely like Bellinger as my second choice followed by my prankster and i'm going to take a real big shot big old dale dale romans with southern sense the number one horse this horse doesn't look too bad after you look at the last start um it did chase stayed in contact just didn't really finish i don't really know how to bet dale anymore it you just never know what you're going to get so maybe on the four you know look for a fourth place finish and, and to round out the superfecta so we're we're basically hitting the all button here. Sounds like, because I I would not leave out a horse like number three Triumphant Road, the four hundred seventy five thousand dollar Ocala purchase by Quality Road. I have a really nice mare named Foxy Socks. Uh, it's interesting that uh, this one debuts for Ed Barker. Not really known for getting these types. I uh, definitely would not leave out number four Skate to Heaven. It's the son of Lauban. Lauban burst onto the scene last year, I believe, at Ellis Park. Uh, Diodoro has done well at Saratoga. Whatever he's doing is working up there. I think he's going to be a uh, live mm-hmm. Travers next Saturday. And I think you need to consider that. He's already won a two-year-old race up there already. I think he was 30 to 1. With so this I, with this barn, with this, for these owners, with the owners that he won with. With, this, with these owners. Lauban, I think he passed away earlier in the year. 
Yeah. So he doesn't have very many crops left, but I think this is one you need to watch. And this is out of a Bernardini mare. And that, that uh, Bernardini mares are going to be hot at the auctions this uh, fall. So, but uh, yeah, it looks like we're spreading here. I tell you, and the other one uh, I would not leave out is number seven, like you said, from another mother. $120,000 Callip purchase uh, for Ray Handel. Showed a little bit of speed in debut. I think the barn's better second time out. Adds blinkers. This is a Sunday Unified. So, oh, Unified. Yeah. There we go. Yeah, might have to hit the all button here. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not hitting the all button. I'll tell you what I'll do is I'll play Superfecta using Seal Beach one and two. Yeah, I'll probably roll two pick five tickets on Saturday. I'm gonna single my top choice and see if I can get through uh, with Seal Beach. And then after that, you're probably right. I'll probably reverse the ticket and then. Uh, go off. I don't know. Very juicy. Very, very appealing. Some of these horses in here. Let's go to race eight. Seven furlongs on the dirt. Three, three and up. Never won three races. They're running for $35,000 tag. The heavy favorite is likely to be number four. Identity politics. Nine to five morning line for Chad Brown. Rad Ortiz. Horses dropping in class. Has not raced since May. Alan, can we beat the favorite? I hate this race, like a lot of people probably do. Uh, yeah, of course you can beat the favorite. Who knows what you're going to get with that one? Uh, but there's intriguing long shots, but not not intriguing in the in the fact that uh, that I like them a lot. I think that there's about three or four horses here that I can make a case. If this happens, then they could possibly win. <laughs> Uh, there's a horse coming from Turfway Park or Indiana that Mike Maker claimed uh, that yeah. low profile connections that Maker got this horse off of uh, Marie Pen- Maria Penzen who had been ridden by Rafael Mojica and Rolando or- Aragon at Turfway but had a couple of really really impressive efforts at Turfway I would not leave this horse off the ticket the horse is number 6 El- again El Sobrevivente I-, I always have a hard time saying the name just because I know the horse had talent at Turfway will likely be overlooked with the fact that Maker and Sia is dipping there to get this horse for some reason. Maker gets in a dip to this horse again for some reason. Uh, yeah, I mean, you almost has an auto use, quite frankly, simply for that. Uh, another one that I, I do kind of like on the outside, it, there is a Storm Bruin, Michelle Nevin. I, I just think some of this horse's better efforts fit with these. Coming off a claim, sometimes in these races, a horse – where there's some questionable form horses get on the front end and that's all it takes. That that's the one that intrigues me at 12 to one. Again, no strong opinion. I can make a case for several. I'm not going to, I I'm going to look at the, the stormers brewing and El Sobrevente more than anything else. And, you know, don't have a strong opinion. Once again, politics, politics. What do we do with politics? We try to beat Chad Brown. And the number four identity politics. I, I really think, Alan, you kind of covered them. Uh, I'm restoring hope. I think it's got a yeah. shot falling back into the level of the world. This horse has probably been super successful. It's kind of strange that the old service had the syringe in them. That's where they really peaked. But uh, I've kind of been through a couple different trainers since. But I think this is the right level and the horse drops in. This could be a really good kind of underlay if you will and, and just kind of see what could possibly happen and, and then uh you know the l horse whatever number six 
but that's the only, you know anything maker touches and Britannico. I love Britannico, so that that's kind of where I'm gonna lay. That's it. I'm surprised you didn't mention number three Vulcan. I think this horse is interesting that they even considered bringing this horse to Saratoga. They raced him in a couple stakes races uh, early in his career. And they didn't leave him at Ellis. I, this horse looks like a type of horse that might be okay at Ellis, but they bring him to Saratoga, put a tag on him. Uh, you know, I think he's worth a look. Cox is going to leg up Tyler Gaffion. I think this race is a little bit more wide open than it looks. I mean, I'm looking at horses like seven striking speed for Atris, who's having a 32%. You toss out that last race and just call it a prep, and he did have some trouble. This horse fits in here as well. So, uh, you know, I hate I hate to say this, but I'm probably going to have to spread again to hopefully get through this leg. But, uh, you know, I I'm, would consider using the three Vulcan, four Identity Politics, six El Sobre Viviente, and number seven, Striking Speed. Uh, well, I'll tell you what, yeah. what it is with this race is it's another one of these claiming races, almost conditioned claimer, where a lot of horses enter the race off questionable form. So you don't know what you're going to get in regards. If you can find a horse in form that you believe is in form, that's usually the ones who win these races. You have a lot of these, some of the uh, higher percentage trainers who are just looking for spots. That's why I can't say with any confidence who's going to win. I would, I would just side with prices, but this is a good example of a race like that, in my opinion. And I would say when Cox drops like he is, he's either very live or looking to get the claim, you know, and the, and the horse is gone. So, you're right, Alan. So questionable. Uh, uh, I don't know. <laughs> you know, so <laughs> I, I just don't know what anything about this horse, Vulcan. Race nine is the Lake Placid. Grade two, mile sixteenth on the turf. Three-year-old fillies. Looks like a heavy favorite on the morning line. Number two, technical analysis for Chad Brown, Jose Ortiz. Last time she ran in the Lake George, grade three, at a mile on turf. She won that at seven to one. And now she comes back here. She's installed as a six to five favorite. Uh, she looks tough in here. She's, the, the speed figure was really fast for the uh, Lake George. But, uh, Brandon, we'll go to you first. What do we do? Do we topple technical analysis? Yeah, I'm going to just challenge with two here. I think Ego Trip, I mean, we just haven't really seen much of this horse. And Walsh, you know, is entered here for a purpose. He would never make a big spot like this unless he knew he's got something really live. So I think this horse is, must be included. I think Walsh has done had a great summer. I've been following the heck out of the guy, and he's done really well. So I, I'm, kind of, I'm staying with just these two technical analysis and Ego Trip, but nothing real elaborate here. Go ahead, Alan. You know, if you look at this pick five sequence, Malafat's in the next race. And even despite the fact that Malafat um, got beat last time, she's she's the one to beat later on. She's, I, I make it a point to try to come up with different singles. And I'm not saying that I won't in a sequence such as this, but Malafat is going to be hard to beat in that spot. Uh, not that I'm jumping ahead of myself, but it, I'm trying to lay out the way I, my mind works. If I know I'm taking Malafat as a single, and I'm not saying that I am, but if I if I do, I've got to use prices elsewhere. At least I've got to be at least single a price elsewhere or go very narrow in a spot or two with prices. 
So that's why I've been giving out more uh, more price horses, so to speak, because if the ticket leans on Malifat, you've got to make you've got to make it economical. And, and this race is a good example of what, what I mean. There's a six horse race here. And if someone were to single Malifat and then you get technical analysis at home, then the price that the, the possibility for not pay a whole lot is there. And I bring it up because I do think that there's some really nice horses in here at some really decent odds that I would probably throw out technical analysis. Not that I don't think the horse is very good, but I'm playing the pick, trying to trying to play the pick five in a way that is different than the way other people will play it. Uh, with that said, I see Eagle Trip in here, Illigami, and Love Struck, all at really in, in, intriguing prices. And if I just use those three horses in a pick five with Malathat, to me, I could live with that. Because I think any of those three could theoretically win the race. Eagle Trip looked fantastic last time, got left at the gate and come flying against a really good field. Uh, I think Love Struck is going to be better in this spot because the horse was too close to the pace against a fast pace last time. And that was our only bad effort. They take the blinkers off today on Love Struck. This is Godolphin and Mott. They take the blinkers. You can expect the horse to relax a little bit better. So I'll make Love Struck my top pick. But I would also, and I love Illigami. You know that, CC. Illigami's done me well. I think that's a very talented horse as well. So that's a long way of me saying that I would use three price horses in here and not use the rest of the field. I would make Love Struck the top pick, though. Was that too? Was that was that too much of a a lesson there? I didn't mean to go that long, but sorry. <laughs> love it every single time. I'm on number three, Ego Trip, and for the sole reason this. Philly made her U.S. debut in her second start. Took a lot of money first out into the teeth of horses like Rastafara and split then double. Those those two fillies were the uh, from Chad Brown. I think there's a couple others in there that were taking some money too. But Eagle Trip uh, was bet hard off of uh, I think a, a longer morning line. And like you said, she she struggled coming out of the gate, but had a fierce rally, and that's you know it's the type of filly that's probably going to run well in here the question is pace uh exactly yeah you're right you know it's there is no pace in here there's no really confirmed front runners spanish love affair and and love struck should be on the lead and it's just a question of how far back the others are uh so i would probably go ego trip and then some combination of either uh, i don't think spanish love affair is good enough to to win this love struck is interesting second time uh second time was a three-year-old for for the mott barn who you know they they, they take the blinkers off uh, i don't know that make that that might uh dollar speed a little bit but uh it's an interesting race it, it these tend to be a little frustrating because you just don't know agreed very early but uh i definitely want to use ego trip I bet you Eagle Trip gets bet down from the six to one. Everybody saw that last race. Yep. I bet Spanish Love Affair goes up. I bet the Eagle Trip comes down in the uh, in the wagering. But that's just that's just my guess. Okay, penultimate race on this Saturday card is the Alabama Stakes. Grade one, six hundred thousand dollars, three-year-old fillies going ten furlongs. And let me tell you, this race has a lot of history. It oozes. Great fillies over the years. I'm going to read some of these off to you. Swiss Skydiver, of course, won it last year impressively uh, before she went on to ultimately win the Preakness. And then you've got uh, fillies like a late Songbird, 
Princess of Silmar, Royal Delta, Blind Luck, Careless Jewel, Lady Joanne, Society Selection, Farda Omega, Flute, Silver Bullet Day, Banshee Breeze, Run Up the Colors, Heavenly Prize, Sky Beauty, Versailles Treaty, Go for Wand, Open Mind, Another Oaks Winner, Maple Jensky, Life's Magic. I mean, it just goes on and on and on. So if you win this race, you're amongst the very, the very, very best three-year-old fillies of all time. So, and there is one that's bidding to uh, to join those ranks. Number six, Mal. I thought even money on the morning line. Todd Fletcher upset last time in the Coaching Club American Oaks. I think we all watched that race, and we know that uh, it was a less than ideal, uh, less than ideal uh, scenario. For this filly. Uh, with that said, Alan, I think I think we know what you're doing. You're going to single Malathot. Is that correct? Yeah, I almost hate to because I like to play these races right. I wanted to. There's intriguing long shots in here to me. Intriguing new shooters. Uh, crazy beautiful. Played hard. Uh, Army wife. There, there there's some intriguing horses in here that ordinarily I would maybe take Malathot and one of those other horses to try to blow the ticket up. But when I keep coming back to it, I know Malifat got beat last time, but she was inside. She took the brunt of the pace. Uh, the horse doesn't want to be on the inside. The horse doesn't want to be on the pace. The horse wants to be sitting off the pace and have a target to run at. I think that's as clear as day with Malifat. It feels like this horse was made to win this race at a mile and a quarter in her three-year-old year. The Alabama seems like it was made to her to a T. So it's a boring pick for me. But I, I, I got to think they learned something last time. Don't get this horse trapped on the inside. Don't send this horse to the front. There's still not a ton of speed in here, but there's enough where she can get that target down the lane. And, again, I think this horse is just built for a mile and a quarter. So give me Malathot, and I will add maybe Will Secret and a cold exacta because I think Will Secret's going to get forgotten about off the loss in Indiana where she didn't run at all, but, if you can just toss that last start, the horses run two big races prior to that third to Malathot a couple times. And Mal, we know how good that horse is prior to that three straight wins. Will Secret get forgotten about on the board. So at 15, 18 to one, I'll take a cold exact of Malathot and Will Secret and hope for the best. That said, there's a lot of really good uh, fillies in here. Uh, so that's the way I'm going. Yeah, like good explanation. I think you're right about everything about Malathot. But- your, I mean, post position, all those things make a big, big difference. So uh, I can't knock you at all. I am going to take a shot with one other horse. And, all, and you know, these are all great horses. Crazy Beautiful is great. Will Secret, Clary Air, I think is a fantastic horse. I just don't like it right here. I'm yeah. going to play a Louisville uh, racing, you know, owner. And a private trainer, the Phil Bauer, Rigney Racing, the horse play hard, number five. I think I think it speaks wonders that Saez takes them out. Uh, it's funny that Tyler lost it. I don't really quite get it. Going through it and seeing what Tyler is, is running with this army wife, you know, first time he's ever had that mount. So I think there's something said because Saez to me is the champion of champions and jockeys. I think this horse just got a big effort involved here. This horse was not a sprinter. So the first three starts, they just didn't have in the right places. But once you got, once you got long, 
this horse seems to want more and more and the comic lines to me really say it you know it's well bred into mischief uh and i just i'm gonna take a shot here that and that's my shot i like i i hope the horse runs well i'm a big fan of that horse so i like your selection there and I, that horse could get out in front of it and just keep going and i like that as an i like that as an alternative uh, selection right there i'd like to see that horse run well to everybody else because everybody else has got you know a lot more racing in them a lot more you know They've been in all kinds of different, you know, of graded stakes races. Let's take a shot with the youngin. The Rigneys don't mess around. They're up there to win. I'd like to know if they're in, if they're they're probably going to be at the race. I'd and say I, so. I just I got a feeling that there's something here. Well, for me, it's Malathot single and everything. This this is the type of filly that wants to go a mile and a quarter. Some of these others may not want to get that distance. And uh, just play a cold exact over Army Wife. And this is another one that uh, Mike Maker's having a terrific meet. I think right now he's a trainer. Uh, it's weird that the musical jockeys, Gaffleon winds up here. And then Luis Saez winds up on plate hard, like you said earlier. But uh, give me uh, a 6-7 cold exact. I want to back it up. I may just go 6 with all with 7. Gotcha. I like it. Finale. This is a tough one. Uh, race 11. It's a maiden special weight, one mile on the inner turf. Yeah, maiden special weight here. Uh, lots of different ways to go. The morning line favors number four, split then double, who previously ran in that race we just uh, alluded to earlier behind Rastafara and Ego Trip. And now she comes back here, same level, uh, same distance. But there's other ways to go. Brandon, you kick it off. Yeah, that's the old uh, Mike Dub, Matacat Stable type of routine horse here. Making its fist start and split double the number four. You know, guys, I'm kind of, at this point on the car, this is where I normally fail. I get tired. <laughs> I get tired. I can't put it together. I start thinking, you know, what am I going to do? So I'm going to go three deep on this turf. I like the pedigree of the one horse. I love Cox and I love Tyler Gaffleon to close it out. That's my top choice. But then I'm coming back to some vets. Number five, Gale Horse Wind. I think this horse is set to sprint with blinkers on. Uh, I think we got a really good shot here. I, I, well, it's a mile, but you know what I'm saying. It was a sprinter. I think it wants the added ground. And then it only took him four tries to figure it out, but uh, then I like the the Bill Mott horse Ingress. I think this horse has got a lot of upside. Uh, I love when you see things like the Comet Line saying improved, and and things like that. So those are my two or my three total: the one, five, and six. I'm not playing the favorite. Uh, split then double. I uh, am proud of myself in that I didn't do the Beavis and Butthead laugh when Brandon said I love Cox. Um, but you know, uh, I'm, I've matured as I've gotten older. Um, <laughs> uh, this race, I think it's an interesting race. It's, this isn't one of those races where I don't have an opinion and I'm just, uh, disgusted by it. I, uh, I think there's five or six horses in here can win. I'll keep it as I never like giving out selections when I don't have a strong feel for the race. 
I can tell you that I would definitely use Brad Cox's horse in here. Um, it's weird that the horse has been prepping at Ellis and now it makes the move up to Saratoga for, for Martin, for uh, Barrett, uh, Martin Schwartz. I don't know. Is there any chance this horse is cross-centered at Ellis on Saturday? Uh, CC, do you know? It doesn't say so. Okay. So it's interesting that the horse has been working at Ellis with this kind of price tag for, for an owner like Martin Schwartz and then goes up to Saratoga. There's got to be a reason for that. I'd have to use golf, golf, however you say it. The two Chad Browns are intriguing. I think I like split them double a little bit more than the other one, but it would neither one would surprise me winning. Um, Gale horse win. I like a little bit on the stretch out and you know, uh, yeah, on the outside, um, Shug's got a horse called let's go native. Uh, there's a little bit of a turf breeding there. Wouldn't shock me either way. Again, don't have a strong opinion. I'm not going to sit and say, I'm, I'm playing this horse. I'm playing that horse. There's a couple that I would include most notably Brad Cox's horse. But again, if that's my way of saying, I'm either going to pass or I might spread a couple. You know, usually in the sequence on this last race, it's always a maiden claim. So you all have all these horses that started in special weight and they're dropping. Uh, but you know, this is challenging. Challenging. Yeah. But you know, maybe you get lucky, you know, pick a few out that you like. Whenever I see a race like this and I say, Hey, I'm going to use five or six. And then what I'll do is I'll just take the three longest shots. And, uh, if I don't want to spend that much or, you know, but, but again, it's again, maybe CC points me more of a, a, a more of an opinion. No, I don't have a real opinion on this. The, the one that was interesting to me was on the rail. Like you said, was golf. But that family, I was looking at the female family. I don't think the female family's produced a whole lot. I don't even think the mayor, the mayor won one race out of six starts. But it's interesting that they do ship this horse from Ellis. Uh, now, the horse is bred in Ireland. So if the horse races at Ellis, she's only racing for a purse of 25000 because the, the, the KTDF supplement is right. so so you're running for twenty five thousand there as opposed to racing for a hundred thousand dollars here. So maybe that has something to do with it. I, I like the fact Gaffley owns riding, but you know I have no idea what to do with her. I'm, I, I'm probably gonna have to use her. Number four split and doubles been kind of a disappointment. She was sent off favorite last time two to one. Prior to that, I needed her for a pick four on June third. And she was just a little lackluster late. Got beat by a Shug McGahee horse and knocked me out of a pick four there. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I'm just not real real excited about her chances. Uh, one I'm going to use is number six, Ingress, is a daughter of Medaglia Doro, and sent off 25 to 1 in that, that race we've referred to a thousand exactly. times on this podcast. And, and she, she finished fourth. Uh, Alvarado's having a terrible meet. But uh, maybe, you know, maybe he can get this one home at a price. I think uh, that horse is probably live. And, you know, let's go native number 10 for McGehee. Uh, Uncle Mo out of Baroness Richter. I think Patrick Biancone trained Baroness Richter. Possibly. I was thinking Patrick Byrne. Maybe I'm wrong about that. I'm thinking Richter Scale with Patrick Byrne. Richter Scale. You're, you're probably right. Was with Biancone back in the day. So she was a nice filly. But, uh, I you know, think Chad of the two don't have the favorites here, but I don't. I don't. Uh, I don't necessarily need those two. I think they've got a shot, obviously, but I, you know, I think there's some others here with some upside. 
Of the two Chad Browns, I think I would prefer split than double over so enchanting. Nothing against so enchanting. The same enchanting can win. I think split than double is coming out of the better race. She uh, is, but, but she's, you know, she's had her chances. How many? Chad she's had Brown, her chances. How right. many Chad Brown fillies need four starts to break their maiden? Agreed. You agreed. Um, yeah, there's a there's a, a horse has a hat, hard time getting to the line first. That's why I'd want to use a couple in here and stuff. And uh, you know, if, if again, if I'm going to play Malafat, and I'm probably gonna, I'm going to have to go narrow or single a price elsewhere. If I do that, I'll probably do that in the earlier card, and I might use four or five in here. I'm really, really disappointed and upset with Brandon. The only reason I wanted him on this podcast tonight was to tell me about this this rail filly from Cox, and he's he's come up with nothing. I know, I know. <laughs> I mean, you know, the only thing, the only time I can add is when they're coming out of like Indiana right now. Okay. He'll text me after the race and be like, "Hey, I heard this Cox horse live after she wins by five lengths." Like, nice. <laughs> you know. really nice. I think we all covered right. it all. Let's cover, yeah, we've covered all. Now we're going to do the next uh, 12 races at Del Mar on Saturday. Then after that, we're going to cover Australia. A no, we, don't want to tor- we don't want to torture people like that. <laughs> <laughs> and we got I'll some good stuff coming up, though. I will tell you, we got some good stuff coming up in the near future. Ellis Park, I'll give you, I'll give you one horse, race six. I like number six, Social Chatter. A terrible morning line, nine to two. Uh, debut run. She finished second to Miners Queen from the Asmussen Barn. Miners Queen ran second in her next start at Saratoga. That's Vicky Oliver, isn't it? Vicky, Vicky Oliver. Oliver for yeah, Trump. you're probably right. You're probably right about that horse. Rolling late. She was absolutely rolling late. I was going to pound her in her next start, and I was down there. I was actually down there, and and the rain came late in the day. They took the race off the turf. Vicky left her in, and she ran a lackluster third. Uh, I think getting back to turf spring is her game uh if she doesn't get too far back i think she's gonna win this i don't think there's a whole lot in here well i don't i haven't seen the race yet but all again i'm glad i had to use my beavis and butthead voice when you said i'm gonna pound her so um this again i'm older okay on that note <laughs> we'll wrap it up uh before we go anything you want to add to this no we we rambled We've rambled long enough. All right, Brandon. Yeah, I'm just looking at this Del Mar. <laughs> that was a big payout today. But well, if Rob, be Benefield, a long week. Rob Benefield's listening, the cross-country pick five is the two stakes at Saratoga. The lake, was it the Lake Placid in Alabama? And then the last three races at Del Mar. So it's going to be a long sequence. It starts like in the middle of the afternoon. And then goes till like 10 o'clock at night. Kind of like this podcast. Kind of like this podcast. <laughs> All right. So on behalf of our guests, Cherie DeVoe, and Alan Schneider, and Brandon Jaggers, and thousands of others, this is CC Broadus reminding you that gambling money ain't got no home.